0: Hello, Internet. You're listening to Genius Cast with Scott and Mike. I'm Scott. Uh, playing and the role I'm of Mike. Mike. Yeah, I was going to say, playing the role of Mike today is his understudy, uh, Shireen Azkoui. Shireen, how are you doing? Hello. Yay. Hey. This is uh, the podcast for episode six of season one of The Genius. This is a spoiler-free podcast. We will not talk about anything that happens after episode six of season one. Um. In fact, Shireen might not talk about anything that happened before Episode 6 of Season 1 because uh, <laughs> <laughs> who can remember? Um, so that's your, that's your warning. If you haven't watched the episode yet, uh, go watch it. And uh, that's a that's good warning. So welcome to the podcast, Shereen. Thank you. You, you joined us uh, last year in the future for part of Season 4. And yep. we had a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, uh, we asked you if you wanted to join us. For season one, and uh, you said this was the episode that uh, you wanted to do.
1: Yeah, I have to say, even on rewatch, this is, I think, the best episode of the genius of all four seasons.
0: Sure, yeah.
1: I'm putting uh, that out there. <laughs> it's
0: wrong, but okay. Well, what do you why,
1: think?
0: Well, I, I'm i partial to many episodes, but uh, we're only, you know, uh, ignoring you the... F-
1: like, yeah, you like the future better than... Maybe. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, I don't. Well, the show the show really hits its stride and uh you know, we all know that these shows uh are at their absolute best, uh usually right around like season thirty, would you say? Eh,
1: 31, <laughs> 31, maybe.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. Um so why why this episode? Why is this the one that uh strikes your fancy?
1: Yeah, because both the main challenge and the I already forget the terminology for, like, the the challenges and the the, the segments of the show. <laughs> main but match the, and death match. Main match and the death match are both incredibly compelling and have really interesting things going on. Um, and uh, what I love so much about season one, and, and again, particularly this episode, is the characters also just carry the show. Um, so you've got good gameplay. You've got good characters. And this game in particular... Is a game with an optimal strategy, a clear, strat- a, a clear strategy, and um, and then you're taken through a roller coaster where uh, a set a select few people are chosen to execute on the optimal strategy, and because of you know like just because of human nature, they give it away, and then against all odds, they get it back. And then the actual optimal strategies executed upon, and so it's not like it's not a blowout, even though in the end it is.
0: Yeah, it, it the game aged better than I than I thought. As I remember what, it before this this is a uh, this episode has aged like a fine wine, right? That's what good wines do, I think.
1: <laughs> yeah, like a, uh, yeah. I drink red sugary
0: red. frozen drinks when I drink, so uh, those do not age well. Um, yep. But, yeah, that, that aged really well, and the the death match is, like, super compelling. I mean, less so when you know what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, holy cow, Jinho was, was against the ropes, and so we'll get into all of that. But we start the episode as the character, the characters, they're people, but they feel so much like characters, yeah. uh, walk in. Gura sits down and makes himself even more of a pain in the ass than usual, which, for mm-hmm. him, is saying something. And it just felt, it just feels... Like, he's kind of over the whole genius thing at this point.
1: It's weird. He just comes off like a bully. Like, he's so used to being in the dominant alliance or group or whatever you want to call them that, like, he just wants to boss people around. And and um, it's crazy because I actually, first time around, um, loved him, thought he was an excellent television character. And then this time around was totally over him and was rooting for... Literally every single other person in there <laughs> instead of him.
0: Yeah, I I had the sense all – he just seemed – he acted like he was better than the game, which yeah. is not fun as a viewer, right? Like my big rule with reality TV competitions is that the characters should all the, – the players should all want to win, right? That that's important to I me. Mean, even if they don't know what they're doing, even if they're taken off the street and they've never seen an episode before, I want – people who are doing what they can do to win the game and it's fun that some of them have a good idea and some of them have a bad idea of how to do that but that motivation is what I find to be the most compelling and Gura never had that he was just there to collect his paycheck and be Gura on television on a different program than he'd been before but he wasn't really there to to win the game
1: well so I have a question for you because I got a sense of entitlement from him where he felt like he deserved to advance through the game because of who he was and because of his little posse that he, you know, created around him. Um, And even in this episode, I actually, I don't know if there's an answer to this question. and, And I feel like if anyone would know, you would know. Like when he is pretending to be above the dignity of rock, paper, scissors, is he just playing them? Is he just pretending that to try to manipulate them into letting him go? because I, I mean, still don't know to this day.
0: I really think he just feels like he's done and that's that's been enough of this nonsense and that you know he's got money. He's got yeah. he's got plenty of money and he just doesn't want to he's too old for this shit, you know. Mhm. Cuz I have to say that like that's
1: not how I read it. I read it as oh he's he's trying to use these like his status and dignity and all this bullshit to try to manipulate the other players, but maybe that's just me like you know, being somewhat of a skeptic, like not being able to believe that somebody wouldn't be competitive in this environment.
0: I think he's kind of taking his ball and going home. And I also think there's an element of, like, he doesn't want to lose the rock, paper, scissors. He'd rather not play it, right? Uh, I, I didn't lose. I just I wasn't good. I didn't play, so I didn't lose, you know? Yeah. Um, he's being a child.
1: He's <laughs> and He's being a child. Yeah. And
0: it, it continues into the death match, as, as we'll talk about later when he's he's keeps talking about, well, if you want to live, you have to be willing to die. So... Right. Um, which is not true. That's <laughs> not well, actually and then, a thing.
1: The, the chips also, like how he gets all the chip donations and he's like, we could play it fair or we could use these unfair chip donations. And it's like, I mean, people gave you their chips. Like, you can use those chips. Or whatever, yeah. the garnets.
0: Yeah. So we'll get to all that, but let's... Uh, Let's yeah. start with uh, with the game we're playing today. Uh, we're going to be playing the, what, the burglar game? I can't remember what the games are called. I yeah, mean, I it's all translated, so the catch the burglar. There we go. But, yeah. uh, see, I wrote up my notes. Here's my little notepad for today. So, nice. Yeah.
1: Uh, I wrote notes on my iPhone.
0: It's hard to do. I was uh, fighting the clock today, um, uh, trying to finish the episode before my kids woke up from their nap, because uh, that was the end of uh, my free time this afternoon. And I did it. Barely. So, hey. um, Yeah, but I, I got to write my notes out. And uh, when I do it on small paper like this, then I have like 20 pages of notes. But I find like I can write so much faster with a pen. And with the subtitles, I got to be scribbling real fast so I don't have to. Otherwise, when I'm writing on a phone, I got to keep pausing it and going back to it.
1: And... Oh, I can type on my phone without looking at – while still watching the subtitles. I, uh, I'm i like a millennial in that way, you might say. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You are a millennial, aren't you?
1: No, actually, I mean, if we're going by television, the the youngest person on Gen X uh, of Survivor is what we're talking about. It was born in 1980, 1982 and the oldest person on millennials was born in 1984 and I was born in 1983. Um, I've always Me identified too. as... Were you really? Yeah. I, I identify as Generation Y. And squarely between the two.
0: But that's not a thing. You're not allowed to be generation. Generation Y is just our year apparently.
1: <laughs> no. I mean according to like Survivor, sure. But in real life, generation Y is people who are in their like late 20s and early 30s right now. All right. That's a yeah, thing. Yeah,
0: I mean I definitely am uh, not a Gen Xer. But I also feel like I'm definitely not a millennial. You know, I just yeah. feel like I'm not I'm not anything. Stop pigeonholing me with these generations. Only pigeonhole other people. That's yeah. That's how I feel.
1: Well, that's how I feel. I mean, I can type very quickly on my phone without looking at it. And I use emoji to write entire sentences. However,
0: Has, hashtag Gen Y skill.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. You know, however, I have a job. Therefore, <laughs> <laughs> can't be a millennial.
0: <laughs> yeah. If you have millennial skills and a job, you might be Generation Y. All right. Uh, so back to my notes. Yes. So uh, we have <laughs> the burglar game. We'll have rooms of five people and three people, yes. and one person uh, will be secretly made the burglar. And if the burglar, uh, the players are traded back and forth. So the way it works is each each of the two rooms, the large village of five people, the small village of three, uh, sends one person uh, to exile each round. So the people in exile then, in the next round, reemerge in the other. Village. If the burglar is sent into exile, then nothing happens. If the burglar is in a village while someone else is at exile, then everyone else in the village with the burglar loses a gold. Everyone starts with 10 gold, and the burglar gets one gold from each person in whatever village he or she is in. Um, and then the winning team is the team that does not have the burglar at the very end of the game the person with the least gold on the team that does have the burglar at the end of the game is the loser. Yes?
1: Yep, I approve of this message.
0: Sure. So <laughs> so first everybody gets their phone, and they get to, um, they get like a little, first they draw balls for who's in what village. And in the big village we're going to have Gura, Pung, Jinho, Yunji, and Sungyu. The small village will be Sangmin, Kyungran, and Yuram. And next they each take a numbered cell phone Uh, They get a call on their cell phone from the voice person who says, uh, who tells them if they are a burglar or a citizen. And of course, uh, immediately everyone knows that it is Jung Moon when she comes back giggling.
1: (laughs) I was literally just thinking, I'm so thrilled she's not in this episode.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Win-win, yeah. Well, we've – that's one other thing that uh, we've gotten so far from the genius is we've pretty much lost the least interesting players so far. So for the most part, um, which is good. Very good. Yep. yep, yep.
1: I would agree with that. Um,
0: So we don't know who actually has – who actually is the burglar. It's going to be Sung Yu.
1: The show makes an interesting choice of not letting the audience know right away who is the burglar. However, we do get a little shot of um Yu laughing, like a little chuckle in response to his phone call. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's like a little bit of a nod to it being him, because everybody else's reaction is very serious. Like, hmm yep, I understand. Whereas he laughs.
0: Credit to him for keeping cool when he gets that news. I mean uh oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not I'm not that good with the secret. I would I would probably start grinning. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Which he could have because he had walked you know down the hallway a little bit and he wasn't facing anybody, but he didn't grin, he said, "All right, that's fine, and uh, went back to the group ready to play the game
1: so, yeah, and then stayed quiet, like didn't say a word for the longest time.
0: well, it doesn't take much for the burglar to you know to be caught in this game, so you got to be careful, but once once you're through like a few rounds, then the burglar is safe and has nothing else to worry about. Which uh, is, of course, what happened. Because optimal strategy is for the players, once they figure out who the burglar is, to hold on to the burglar for quite a long time. So, so we'll get to that as well. But uh, as the game begins, uh, round one, the teams uh, exchange Poong and Sangman, and then they exchange Sangman back for Poong. So the result of this is that. Uh, the three people have each lost two gold. The burglar has gained six gold, and we know that the burglar must be one of the four people who remained in the large village through the first two rounds, which would be Gura, Jinho, Yunji, or Sungyu.
1: Yes, I think it's also noteworthy to point out that before they sent anybody into exile, um, and Pung was trying to get the burglar to out himself so that they could, you know, more effectively. Um, effect and you know, create like a, figure out the optimal strategy. And Gura, I don't know if you caught this. Gura, stupidly knowing he that he himself is not the burglar, was just like, Why would the burglar out himself? That's dumb, he shouldn't, and gave the burglar disincentive to out himself. Which hmm. is like, if, you know, like, like in terms of just like pure strategy, even if that's optimal for the burglar. When that's inoptimal for you, you don't say that. You don't say it out loud. You don't do. You don't. You know, create reasoning and logic. For, you don't do the thinking for the burglar, and that's what he was doing. Mm-hmm. He's like, no, the burglar shouldn't come out. Don't out yourself, burglar. It's you not even true for the there, burglar.
0: Sorry. I mean, the bur- the, it's not even true for the burglar. Like the burglar, right. the right. optimal strategy for everybody in that room is for Sung Yu to raise his hand, say, "It's me, I'm the burglar," yeah, and then they keep him. Until the very end, and then they exchange him. With the exception of the one poor schmuck who's going to not be a part of this and get sent out in the first round and have their destiny out of their own hands. But aside from that, um, all it takes in this game is three willing citizens, three willing town folk, and one unwilling burglar to control the game. That's all it takes.
1: That's all all it takes,
0: folks. That's all you need to have. And really, the,
1: the burglar has all the power. Because he can tell whoever he wants. Hey, I'm the burglar. You, us three, we're going to control the game
0: until he is discovered, and then it's out of his control if three other people are able to take the power from him, which we'll see later in the game. Um, but the players now know that it's one of these four people. It's got to be Gura, Jinho, Yunji, or Sungyu. There's no one else it could be. And now Sungyu Wait, and your we- MR exchanged. Yep.
1: Can we talk for a second again before about before they knew for sure or before they found out even like who it might be, or I guess even like before they narrowed it down specifically to Yu, even Mm -hmm. when they knew one of the four that could be, everybody was like wildly speculating on who it was. And they felt like they knew 100%. And they weren't basing it on like Jungmoon giggled, therefore it's her. Like, one side thought 100% it was Gura. The other side thought at first that it was Kyungurong 100%. And then, I don't know if they changed their mind or what, but like, I mean, I have to say it's incredibly frustrating to see a bunch of adults, like, accuse somebody based on no data whatsoever.
0: Yeah. uh, But we don't know what's happening behind the scenes. We don't know if there was some talk or some joke or some reaction that we didn't see after everyone got their cell phone. So it is possible. Hey, look
1: at – hey, look at you acting like you've been on reality TV and know that there's more to the edit. Hey, now.
0: I've not been on reality TV. I've just been on a couple of game shows, and I know that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, most of my TV experience, uh, aside from the game shows, is live TV. So there's really nothing cut from the from my live segments. Um, that'd be that's very tricky to do. Right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, like, so you bring up a good point. Yes, there's a lot that's cut out with editing and everything, but like,
0: I hear you though. I hear that it did it did feel. I'm, I'm I'm giving the benefit of the doubt and saying that there could be something we didn't see. Um, yeah. It did feel like they were like, well, you know, it's uh, Gura is a Scorpio, and Scorpios <laughs> right. always get the bad cell phone. So,
1: right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, that's exactly. It was like, you know, yeah, like the sun and the stars and the moon aligned in just the right pattern today. That these people are the ones who are clearly the burglar.
0: In fairness, though. Pers- the the Gura accusation was was Sangman's intuition, and Sangman's intuition is pretty good. So it is,
1: and that's why like I hate saying that, but at the same time, Sangman looked like a fool this episode. Like I feel like he survived this episode out of sheer luck of having the sunbei Hubei relationship with Sungyu. Like Sungyu feels so I mean indebted isn't the right word, but like he feels so deeply connected with Sangman and like Sangman is truly his mentor. But Sangman that... has
0: curated that relationship. Yeah. Sangman has gone out of his way to to play that up.
1: I mean I think to some extent he's gone out of his way and done a phenomenal job of curating the relationship. And I think to some extent he lucked into it.
0: Okay. Sure. we will take that. Although I mean he also has a, a long standing relationship with Gura and that didn't help Gura out at all. So um, but yeah. I mean, Sangman did still have to win over Sungyu um, later on. But anyway, round three, Sungyu and Yuram get switched, and round four they switch back again. While Sungyu is with Sangman and Kyung-Ran, he tells them he's the burglar, and they laugh him off. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And uh, no, it's 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 better than laughing him off. Like Kyung-Ran actually says, "What does she? It's not. I'm ashamed of you." What does she say? Do you remember?
0: <laughs> yeah, something like that. She's like, yeah. You should
1: be ashamed of yourself. I'm disappointed in you. That's what it is. And he's Sang- like Exc- Excuse me?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Simon's like, Yeah, that's nice try. We know that it's Gura. There's nothing you can say what? to convince us otherwise.
1: <laughs> and uh and Sangman thinks that hundred percent. I wrote that down, the quote. He was like, My gut is one hundred percent. Like yeah. I feel like if Sangman were truly perfect, he'd say, My gut is Ninety percent, you said. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Well, his his gut is no Lex's gut, but um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right.
1: And I have to say though, like Sungky was also phenomenal because when he was in exile with Uram, uh, and she was like, "Oh, who is it? Do you know?" Sungky played right into what he knew everybody would think, and he was like, "Oh, it's obviously Gura." And it was just the perfect thing to say when he didn't yet want to out himself, because everybody suspected Gura at that point.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I think sun Yu did a phenomenal job this episode.
0: He did great. There wasn't much. I mean, again, for him, his job is over very quickly because once he gets up over ten gold, he's locked in his win, and he can just sit back and see how many garnets he can get for. You know, he's he's done. He's got no obligations anymore at that point.
1: Yeah, that's true, but he was still awesome.
0: <laughs>
1: like he was still uh, up until he needed to be, right? Secured the greater than ten. And then uh and then tried helping his friends out. Yeah. And even then just like was playing other people like a fiddle.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So after round four we get the new gold counts and they have not changed since after round two. So we know that the burglar must have been exiled twice during those two rounds. And the only person from the group of four possible burglars who was exiled twice was Sung Yu. And everybody figures this out. So this is now very simple. If you're in the large room, you make a three-person alliance, you keep Sung Yu until the very end, and then you exile him at the end. And that is exactly how Pung Jin-ho, and Yoon-ji won the episode.
1: <laughs> Should be simple. But only jin could even fathom that sung was actually the burglar.
0: I mean, it, there's no other possibility at that point. It, it's, there's
1: literally no other possibility. And yet everybody in that room, except for Jin-ho, was trying to figure out who it could be. Yeah. What's that about?
0: <laughs> yeah. Oops. And Jin-ho just, is just, he's just watching the train wreck. He's just yes. like sitting there like, uh, you know, slowly, slowly, slowly the trains. Whoosh, and, uh, <laughs> He's got his popcorn, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 going down. His he's the only one who sees it. His room is too stupid to get it, and they immediately begin sending everybody away and allowing the small village to send everyone back. So first, it's a Yunji Kungran trade, and uh, Gura Gura has the idea that everyone in the room in a large group should get away so that Sung Yu can't steal their gold, <laughs> which which is not the point of what they're doing. Uh, It doesn't really matter. the goal has
1: nothing to do with it, right? Like, in the end, you just can't be in the room with the burglar.
0: Right, because then you lose. Well, sort of. I mean, you're vulnerable to get picked for the death match. If, um, like, the winning team isn't all immune from the death match. Just the the winner of the game is immune from the death match. Um, But the loser, the person definitely going to the death match, is going to be amongst the losing group.
1: Okay. So it's the person with the least amount of gold in the losing group.
0: Right. Correct. And the person with the most gold in the winning group, along with the burglar, presuming the burglar gets more than 10 gold, which the burglar always will in this game, uh, are the the winners. They get the tokens of life.
1: Okay. And it's also interesting that Yunji started out in the big group. And even though the small group, the small village, dominated the game and won the game, in fact, they didn't. Only one of them was a winner and, and one person from the big village was a winner and the burglar was the winner. So the three winners came from – one from the big village, one from the small village and the burglar.
0: Well, again, it takes, it takes three people to win this game, right? And one of those people could be the burglar. That's fine. But it doesn't have to be. And you had so much dissension in the big group from the very start because Gura just couldn't play nice with people. And no one else wanted to listen to Jinho. That you had this natural type three in the small group. They started out together. They worked well together. They communicated. They figured out together who the burglar was, and then they came up with the correct plan to one by one extricate themselves from the small group. Once they were all free, it was game over.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So we get to uh, we get to the point where it is uh, what Sangmin and uh, Uram, I think, along with Poong and I don't know, Pung and Yunji maybe in the big group. Man, I it's wish I had.
1: K- 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 it's Kyungran, Sangmin, Yunji, and Pung.
0: Right, and Sung-yu is going to cast the deciding vote of who's going to go. And Pung finally understands a that Sungyu is the burglar. So congratulations to Kim Pung. <laughs> By this point, he he got it, um, and uh, also for figuring out that you need numbers in the big group to control the game. So he doesn't want to go. Sangwoo doesn't want to go. They're both uh, serenading Sungyu, with uh, they're they're lavishing garnets upon him. They're singing his praises, and uh, Sungyu gets to decide which group is going to win the game. And of course, he, yep. he as you said, he goes with his Sunbei and his Sunbei's team, Team Sunbei and Pung is sent off.
1: Yep, the amazing and Pung thing does, is, Pung does like a shitty job also of trying to convince Sungyu to go side with him. And he doesn't seem very bright. Like, I feel like this episode, he really does not come off, like, all that bright.
0: Yeah. Do you mean the series? <laughs> the yes. season of the show?
1: Yeah. I mean, he's, he's got glasses, friend.
0: so how dumb can he be?
1: It's. I mean, right? He's like the genius Cochrane In that way.
0: Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, uh... Miraculously, Gura and Jinho send uh, Uram over. Uram convinces Gura to let her go. And this is the moment that the game is completely over. Yep. So she's able to trade places uh, with Jinho. Uh, yeah, Pung and Jinho maybe were in the room. Not Pung and Uram. Uh And Yunji. Anyway, Uram comes across. We've got Uram, ran and Sangmin uh, together with Sung Yu. And uh, I guess it's Pung at that point in the uh, big room, and it's just a matter of, of winding down the clock. Now, this whole time, we are seeing flash forwards that spoil that the death match is going to be Gura and Jinho from early in the episode. That was our little flash forward. So there's a question of how do we get to this point, and what's going to happen to get us there. But uh, yeah, I mean, we just we see this group lamenting in the in the small room. You know, well, we're stuck here. We're done. That's it. And playing rock, paper, scissors to see who gets to be the final escapees from the uh, from the small kingdom.
1: Yep. Um, I have to say, like, one of the things that I forgot until the rewatch was that the episode did give away who was in the final, in the death match.
0: Yeah, although, as I recall, the first time I watched it, I saw that scene, and I was like, hmm, this looks like a death match. But obviously they're not spoiling the death match at the beginning of the episode. So... <laughs> <laughs> but they were.
1: but they uh, were. And when yeah. I saw it today I was just like, what are they doing? What's going on? Why are they showing the death match?
0: Yeah, so but they did show the death match and uh, back uh, meanwhile back at the ranch, you know Yunji <laughs> is is not going to talk Sangmin into sending Sung-yu over. I mean that's a, that's a ludicrous thought. It's not going to happen. Uh, good luck to her, and it's it's cute that she thinks it'll work. But after this many weeks, there's not a single person in, on the genius who's who's gonna who should think any longer that they can convince Sangman to act outside of Sangman's own best interest.
1: Yep. That said, I think it's still noteworthy that she ends up actually being a winner of this game.
0: Yep. She survives it. She does not go to the death match, and uh, yeah, she gets sent back in the last round to uh, to winners' town.
1: Yeah, and then she has. She's one of the three people who ends up with immunity, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, she and Uram, and then, of course, uh, sung is going to be immune as well, and mm-hmm. Jinho is going to be the loser of the game. So now it's his turn to choose a deathmatch opponent, and he's going to choose Kim Gura. Now, this mm. is a bad choice. Really bad choice. Uh wound up working out okay, because I was ready to be done having Gura as a contestant on the show. But the death matches we've seen so far have been so socially reliant, and we know that Gura can just sort of bowl his way into whatever he wants from other people. So if you're going to be playing the winning streak game, that's not the guy you want to be up against. And we've yeah. seen that game three times.
1: But at the same time, if if nobody's taking Gura to the death match, then he's going to bully his way all the way to the end, right?
0: No, he could just lose a main match, and then he goes and he chooses who he's up against. Um, I see. Like. You know, and if someone's got to take him, I don't want it to be me. And Jinho is one of the players who's smart enough to understand that. Like there's some players, like Yunji, might think she can go to the death match and talk Sangmin into not helping Gura, but uh, Jinho knows better. Jinho knows that if it's a social game, Gura is going to be able to do the Gura thing and intimidate everyone into into backing him up. So it's a big risk.
1: And funny enough, Gura did end up getting a bunch more garnets from everybody. To fund his death match, there you go. Competition.
0: There you go, and in this game, that's huge because in poker, in, in heads-up no-limit poker, generally the thought is if two opponents are evenly matched, the the odds of winning are equivalent to the percentage of chips in play that you have. So if you have two thirds of the chips and you're just as good as the other guy, you should wind up winning two thirds of the time because of course the cards will break even in the in the long run. Right. So. You know, Jinho say he's a better player than Gura. Um, he's still going to need uh, not to be at a huge chip disadvantage if he's if he's going to expect to win. Chips are very important, especially when you've only got you know the ante is one one chip, and each garnet is going to translate to five chips. Jinho has six garnets, Gura has five. So you're talking about thirty chips and twenty five chips. That's just such a small uh, horizon of which to play the game. Not to mention that if you fold ten, you lose ten chips automatically. So. You know, Jinho is right to want to get as many chips in play as possible. He wants it to be uh, 10 garnets worth of chips for each player. He really should want it to be more. Um, but Gura, uh, Gura is absolutely right as the uh, ostensibly worse poker player. Jinho's a professional gamer. This seems like it would be more up his alley. That Gura is correct in his thought that his best bet is to have as few chips as possible and try to take his chances uh, with a wild variant swing. So... Uh, he pulls out the giant sack. He puts his giant sack on the table. And out of <laughs> all the... Out, come puts all his guard. giant sack on the table. Put okay. his giant sack on the table. And mm. says, uh, look look what I got in here. And it's all the garnets. So...
1: And so here's what I don't get. So, like, okay, Gura, for whatever reason, like, doesn't want to use his huge advantage against Jin-ho. He's like, it's fair if we just, you know, use our starting amount. But... Why doesn't he at least even it out and make it 6-6? It's
0: a good question. And I don't know the answer to that. And I don't think he knows. I think, again, that he's just sort of checked out. He's re- he's done. He's ready. It's okay. If I lose, that's okay. I'll go home. I, I think he's just done.
1: Ow. Yeah.
0: This goes back to the beginning of the episode when he's sitting in the chair. You know, dishing out the insults. He's, he's done. He's okay. Don't worry about me. I'm okay. I'm gonna be just fine. My life is fine.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: So, uh, uh, yeah. I mean, I just—it's like again, it again—it's hard to tell like how much of this he's doing to manipulate others, and how much of it is genuine, and how much he just den- genuinely doesn't want to be there anymore. But I do feel like this episode was a turning point for him in terms of it made him look way more like a bully, and furthermore, it made him look less bright. It made him look like he even made it this far. Because of the bullying and the posse he's been able to build as opposed to any sort of, you know, intelligence. Yeah. Or cleverness.
0: Well, I agree. But I think he's just being petulant and moody and, and, you know, he's – like it feels like he just like didn't have lunch or something. We don't see any hors d'oeuvres in this episode, do we?
1: No. Do you think (laughs) that you're better able to identify this as a father of two young children?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, this is something my three-year-old would do. Well, I mean, he'd be, you know, throwing a fake tantrum too, because my kid is smart and he knows that sometimes if he throws a fake tantrum, he'll get what he wants. Um, but what he doesn't know is that his, his parents are smart and we know when it's a real tantrum and when it's a fake tantrum. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's the, it's the, uh, you know, I've decided and I'd rather win the argument and lose the, you know, lose the war sort of thing. You know, it's, it is three-year-old behavior. Does that make sense?
1: It does. It's just crazy because, I mean, I'm being genuine when I say, like, I am like I genuinely believe that you're able to spot that better than me because you have children and I don't. Because I wouldn't have jumped to that. I didn't jump to that. I was questioning, like I said, is he doing this to manipulate or is he doing this because, you know, he's he's not clever. The, I did not jump to the conclusion that he doesn't want to be there anymore. He's checked out and he's throwing a tantrum. Like when
0: and I, I, and when I, buy I-, I buy it. I buy it. Yeah, when my son gets like that, you know, he wants to save face. So he he's like he'll realize that he's planted his flag in in the wrong thing and but he he'll he'll stick with it because he wants to save face of like having been right in the first place or you know like he, it's it's the same it's the same idea. Like he's going to be too cool for school. He's he's going to not have help. He's going to not take every advantage he thinks he can take. Um, because he's already planted his flag and he doesn't need it. And he'd rather he'd rather die claiming that he was right originally than change his mind and survive. Gura would. Not, yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, that's the behavior of um, compulsive liars. Like, pathological liars, they make a claim. And if you catch them in the lie, if you prove to them, if you show them provably that you know they're lying... They actually, even in the face of the proof, you put the proof in their face and even in that, the face of that proof.
0: Their polling numbers ad- go up.
1: <laughs> you might say, in some cases, polling numbers go up, uh, but they never admit to their original lie. They refuse. Yeah. That's a pathology.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, they say it's not lying if you actually believe it. Not they, George Costanza.
1: Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So um, anyway, Jinho is in trouble because Gura is just going after him. He's playing very aggressively, and Jinho is trying to pick his spots. And the one thing with this game is that if you fold a ten, you lose ten chips, which in this case, that's uh, almost twenty percent of all the chips in play. So it's a huge penalty. And sure enough, it happens twice, like back to back, almost for Jinho, that he folds tens. And you know, he says, "I only go for things that are certain." Uh, in this game, you know you're putting one card up to your forehead that you can't see. Your opponent can. Essentially, essentially the game is is a game of low card, right? Like your card is the card you can see, which mm-hmm. is the card on your opponent's head. And whoever can see the lowest card is is the winner. So the whole Indian poker part of it, is, like it's just for show. You could just as easily deal one card to each player, and it's a whole card. And uh, so, yeah. Um, but if you fold uh if you fold a 10 uh then you lose 10 chips so you can't just wait for you know a perfect victory and even if you did that's an exploitable strategy because your opponent would just make small bets at you uh, and force you to fold repeatedly and then could fold confidently the one out of 10 times that you fought back um but uh yeah jinho is is kind of getting bad cards and kind of getting outplayed, and Gura is completely fearless. He keeps talking about he's willing to, to lose the game. He's willing to, to die in the genius. And that when you're willing to die, then you live. And when you're willing, when you're trying to live, then then you die. Which again, I I don't think that's true. Uh, although uh, poker player Amir Vahidi famously made that point uh, in the 2003 World Series when he made the final table. Uh, that was your Chris Moneymaker one. He said, uh, "In order to live, you have to be willing to die." Um, Although of course Amir Vahidi is now himself dead, so uh, you know, your mileage may vary. Uh, I have
1: no idea who that guy is.
0: Yeah, don't worry about it. I'm I'm he was <laughs> this was the year that the World Series took off that you know, Moneymaker won. Do you remember that whole thing? And this was, I the, like, one, yeah. this was one of the louder brasher people from the ESPN broadcast. He was like the sixth place finisher, I wanna say. Um, you know, he had like a giant cigar in his mouth at all times and he was just like this huge character. Um, yeah, Amir Vahidi. So, there you go. Gura is the Amir Vahidi of the genius. And, uh, yeah, but, I mean, he he's playing very aggressively, but Jinho just sits back and he waits, and he starts folding hands. And he starts waiting for good opportunities. And then he gets a great one. He he sees Gura has a, has a 1, and Gura sees Jinho has a 2, and, and Jinho's able to double his chips. And then very shortly after that, he gets Gura to fold a 10. So, um... You know, Jinho gets, just just with a couple of smart plays, against a player who's too aggressive, who's playing too hard, is able to get a, a huge advantage to 36 to 19 uh, when we finally get the the final hand. Jinho has a three. Gura has a card that is blurred, although you can actually see that it's a two because they don't blur it every time it can be seen. The editors do. Um, <laughs> but because, because the game is only played with 20 cards and the cards are not cycled back in until they've all been used... Uh, Jinho is able to do what we all should do if we're playing a game like this, which is track the cards that have been played. It's only 20 cards.
1: It's only 20 cards. That's the other thing is like when he's, when the reveal comes down that Jinho's been counting the cards in this last round, it's like, like, oh, of course I could even do that. It's only 20 cards. I don't know how to count cards. I know there are systems to do it, you know, easily than just. You could count cards.
0: I could teach you in about three minutes how to do it and you can go do it. I mean, you, you know, don't. Uh, right. casinos don't like it and you're not going to win enough money doing it to be worth the uh, the, the damage to your thumbs but yeah like uh, uh, he's just keeping track of a few cards so he knows he knows the ones are gone and he knows that one of the twos and one of the threes are gone so when he sees that, that Gura has a two on his forehead there's nothing Jin-ho can have that loses to that it's not possible there's no one left in the deck for him to have and there's not even a two that he could have that would tie Gura's card. He knows he has to win the he has to have the higher card in this round. There's no way for him not to have the higher card. It is so easy to get his money in that spot. He has the nuts. He knows for sure he's got it. And Gura isn't tracking it, isn't sure. And even if Gura's not tracking it, that's like less that makes it less okay to get all in with a three against the three there. Because to, as far as Gura knows, he could have a one or a two. Right? Yep. There's like a twenty percent chance. That he or better than twenty percent chance that he he does have a losing card, but he's he's done. He's he's done with the genius, and he's willing to get it in against a three, and so he does. So yep, there you go. By the way, uh, as far as uh, counting cards goes, the uh, easiest way to do it is you keep a running count uh, in your head. You um, you add one.
1: To you the do a sum, right?
0: Like you start at zero, and then every card between two and six that you see, you add one to the count. And every card uh, 10 to ace that you see, you subtract 1 from the count. So it's, every card of the deck is either plus 1, minus 1, or you don't worry about it if it's uh, 7, 8, or 9. So you keep uh, you keep that running count. So the count's plus 3, the count's plus 10, the count's plus 12, the count's minus 5, the count's whatever. Um, you keep the running count. The higher the count is, the better it is for you. And you divide the count by by your estimation, the number of decks left in the shoe. So if there's 5 decks left in the shoe and the count is plus 10, your effective count is plus 2. Small advantage for the player, um, and if uh, you know if, if there's one deck left and the count is plus 10, then the deck is very predictable, um, and that's a great deck for the player, and you should be betting more money. So that's how to count cards. That's it. That's all it is. Plus one, minus one. It's hard to do in real speed. Um, not that I've tried it. Uh, it's hard to do at real speed, uh, and there's just, you know, once you're playing for a lot of money, there's not much to be won, and I don't recommend you go out and play for a lot of money after that very rudimentary introduction to counting cards. By Scott Green. Thank you.
1: I'd clap, but I've got a glass of wine in my hands. Wait, I can do this. I can do this.
0: Did you have red wine before?
1: No, I've been drinking French rosé. Mm. But I Thank referenced you. red wine mm. and how it ages, and that's a good thing.
0: Yeah. See, that's the, that's memory for you. Totally unreliable. <laughs> it's the it's the unreliable narrator in all of our heads. <laughs> um, yeah, so Gura's out. Uh, final thoughts on Kim Gura. Mm.
1: Yes. Um, wait. First, I want to say Jinho's comeback there, where he seemed, you know, definitively out of it, and then in just a few quick plays, a few short plays, totally flips it around, and then wins pretty quickly. Um, does make me think of all these reality competition shows where you really, really could never lose hope because, uh. Just when it seems like somebody is a hundred percent out of it, something crazy happens and they stay in. I mean, I know this is like, maybe it sounds like a cheesy message, but I feel like, you know, with my background with survivor and same thing here with genius, it's just too easy to feel defeated and to be, and to feel like you're out of it or somebody's out of it. And lo and behold, that person ends up going all the way to the end or coming back.
0: Sure, we remember in, you know, your, in and, your first season that it seemed like you were completely down and out, and you rallied back to win what eight challenges in a row, and you made it to the final three, and then uh, you lost and then won to, the game. Then you so. then you lost to a man. Isn't that what what uh, what usually happens on these shows?
1: That is, Did you know that
0: the Big Brother last night was the first time that a woman beat a man in the final two?
1: I heard about that. Nicole beat Paul. Did I get the names right?
0: Yeah, you got it right.
1: And yeah. Paul is not Polly.
0: Right. No, you would not like you would not like Polly, Shireen. Okay, you you would not like him.
1: You don't know me. Uh,
0: Probably
1: like Polly. I don't think I'd like any of these people. I probably wouldn't even like Nicole.
0: No, no, you wouldn't like Nicole.
1: See, and I'm not. I'm not
0: just saying you. I don't like these people either. Right. (laughs) I'm I'm just. You. It doesn't matter to you what I think of them. It matters to you what you think of them. So I'm telling you your opinion. Does that save you time? Yeah, it's more convenient.
1: No, I appreciate it. Yeah. It was good. So,
0: did you, uh, no, did you I, like I, Did you enjoy spending time with him?
1: I did. I thought he was great for the season. I thought he was a wonderful character. I think this new view of him as somebody who was a defeatist and gave up and didn't want to play the game anymore, uh, combined with the fact that I already didn't like the bully aspect to him, makes me like him less. That said, I I think he was great for the season and the fact that he did end up going, you know... Whatever this is, like like mid season, uh, and especially like that Jin Ho was want to take him out. You know, I think it ended. I think it ended well.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm I'm glad that we don't have to put up with more of his attitude at this point. Like we got the right. Ura experience, we got in. There were more annoying people to get out. We got them out, and now Ura is gone.
1: Like there are certain survivor seasons where, when I first watched them live during, you know, their first airing. I couldn't stand them. And I think my go-to example for that is um, Panama, Exile Island, the season of the Kasaya Six and Shane. And I just had so much anxiety during that season, and I absolutely hated it. On rewatch, I love that season. I think it's so much fun. And I think the big difference there is I know who doesn't win. And I can rest easy in that and just sit back and enjoy knowing that people who shouldn't win don't.
0: So you're a you're a rewatcher. You you rewatch seasons.
1: Yeah, that's how I. That's what enhances my memory for them. I have a bad memory for these seasons on first watch. I have an amazing memory for them on second watch.
0: What are you are you rewatching anything right now?
1: Um.
0: What's the most recent season that you had no participation in that you've uh, you've rewatched? Heroes versus villains. All
1: right. I rewatched that over the summer and also overrated was... <laughs> Do you really think that?
0: Yeah, I think that season is over. Well, I mean, it's hard not to be. It's everyone's favorite season, so if I don't think it's the best season, then it's overrated, isn't it?
1: Oh, I guess. It's my second favorite season.
0: What's your number 1? Pearl Islands. That's a great season. That's one of my top seasons. That and uh honestly, Kagayan are probably my two favorites.
1: Yeah, uh you say Kagayan, I say Kagayan. However it's pronounced is my third is my third favorite season. So mm-hmm. it goes Pearl Islands, Heroes Villains. Kagayan Kahihan.
0: All right, third favorite. But so you have got Heroes Villains second, you're saying.
1: Yep. Heroes Villains my second favorite. I mean Pearl Island, those three I think are all interchangeably for me the best seasons. Um but Pearl Islands I do think is is the absolute best.
0: Yeah, Heroes Villains slugs down for me in the fact that like I don't like any of the heroes like that whole tribe is a kind of a miserable mess. And what winds up happening with the villains also, like it's just, it's too much of it's, it's when Russell became too much Russell. Um, you know, Sandra sneaking by and and getting an undeserved win is very frustrating. Um, and, ah,
1: you're one of those.
0: Yeah, sure. I'm one of the people who are correct. Well, you think you think so. Well, we'll get to we can get to that in a minute. First, uh, I, I do want to talk to Survivor, but but first, uh, let's do something that before I forget that we always do at the end of these episodes. We have seven yeah. players remaining. Let's rank them, because
1: uh, oh yeah, know, let me. Nothing's pull better up my for self-esteem
0: name. than ranking. I'll I'll read you off the names if you like. Uh, remaining in the game are Sangmin, Sungyu, Pung Jinho, Kungran, Yoonji, and Uram. Okay. I have, take your order.
1: I have a little cheat sheet with pictures that I'm looking at. <laughs> it helps. I'm ranking them what based on character, based on deep love.
0: Sorry, based on uh, uh, who's who's who are the favorites to win the game at this point.
1: Oh, uh, that's less fun than my deep love.
0: Well, you want to go deep love?
1: I'd prefer deep love.
0: You can only put Sungyu in in a, in a single position. You can't put him in like first, second, and third.
1: Okay, <laughs> so you know my number one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Sungyu is really. I don't know if you... Do you understand my relationship with Songgyu? No. Because he's the guy on episode one that I see. And I'm like, that guy's a bro. He's had everything handed to him. He is not that bright. And I'm like, just get him out of my face. And then he pulls a fast, a fast one on us in the premiere. And then he just ends up being so like charming and respectful I don't like the way that he treats some of the women. I want to say specifically Yunji, but he's so respectful to Kyungran, so respectful to Sangman. Well, he's, he's terrified of a- Kyungran. Right, which is great. I like that. He <laughs> he should be because she's fucking amazing. Um so I just I think like the fact that he ended up being awesome and the fact that I thought I just assumed he would be just another bro for me, really catapults him, you know, so far above everybody else in the playing field. So, Sungyu number one, Sangmin number two, Hyeongran number three. Uh, I'm gonna say Jinho number four because, like, the like the fact that he was the only person who was willing to say, "Hey, dumbasses, Sungyu's the burglar." How do you not realize this? Like, Jinho's really just a logical, put together guy, and I dig it. Um, everybody else can burn. I like, can't even rank everyone. I guess like, my next choice would be Uram. Mm-hmm. Uram. Yep. Every- everybody else can burn. I don't care about anybody else.
0: That'd be Pung and Yunji.
1: Great.
0: <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> well, in the meantime, I'll give you my list of most likely to win the game. As as I see it at this point, uh, my new number one after this week is is Kyumran. Um She played very well. She's she's kind of hiding enough in the background that she's probably not likely to get picked for death matches anytime soon. But she's also not so far. She's also uh, not a weak player. Like there's weaker players. So if you want to go after someone who's kind of a big player to take to the death match, it's not her. If you want to take someone weak, it's not her. Um, she seems to be a very good manipulator. She seems to be good at deflecting. Uh, the animosity away from herself, so I'm gonna put her number one. I, I just don't see, I don't see how she gets eliminated, and if she doesn't get eliminated, then she's in the final two with a with a chance to win. So I'll put her number one uh, for similar reasons. Sangman at number two, you know, Sangman, Sangman is that guy who could sell uh, ketchup popsicles to a uh, someone in white gloves, right? Did I do that right? I
1: thought it was ice to an Eskimo.
0: Maybe it's maybe it's ketchup popsicles to an Eskimo. Okay. They Why don't need did, where that.
1: where'd the ketchup come into this?
0: Well, that's the white gloves thing. That's another one of those good salesmanship. I don't know. Um, you don't you don't think my new startup uh, popsicles dot com is gonna?
1: Uh, no, it's pretty gross. I mean, if you had said, I'm hoping Sweerasha. to sell it to Yahoo.
0: Can you uh, can you put in a good word for me?
1: I'll be sure to do that.
0: Cool. <laughs> Thank you. Um, they know how to get in touch. They've, uh, they've got my password and now so too does the rest of the world. So we're, we're good.
1: So I've heard.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, short subject. <laughs> you know, uh, you're fired. Okay. Um, <laughs> so Kyugran Sangman, I got to put Jinho number three. Jinho's on the outs. So there's a good chance he's going to more death matches, but I think he's the best strategic player. Uh, overall he, he figured it out today during the main match. He figured out how to how to counter strategize uh, Gura in the death match. So those three, Kiumran, Sangmin, Jinho. Next, I'd put Uram, uh, who seems to have a similar skill to Kiumran and just sort of like staying out of trouble. Um, mm-hmm. We have Sung Sungyu next. I, I I see him doing good things. I'm just I've never been convinced that Sungyu is that strong a player who really has a strong chance to win the game. I mean, show me further down the line when he's still left and he's still competing at a high level as as the group dwindles, and you know you you can tell me I'm wrong. As uh, funny as he is on our TV, says so I just don't see him figuring out these games and winning these games. I don't see how that happens.
1: One day you'll eat your words, in. maybe yeah. even write a love letter.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll ask Jeff Probst for advice on how to write that letter. Um, next, I have Poong. Just because I think Yunji is so terrible at this game. She thought she could convince Sangmin to act against his own best interest, so yeah. she's in the last place. Any qualms with that list?
1: No, I mean, even though your list is based on who will win and mine is based on love, I think it's telling that our bottom two is still the same.
0: Yeah. Well, it goes back to what I said. Like, who's, who's out to actually win the game? Although, in fairness to Pung, I think Pung would like to win the Genius. Yeah. Um, he's just not going to
1: just not capable of it. He I don't He doesn't think have so. it within. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, he's like, he. De- it feels like he's deciding he's going to, like, make some big move, and then later he figures out if it was a smart move or not. But now he just right. wants to know that it's, like, a big, aggressive kind of move. So. Yeah.
1: Although it's interesting, I will say that, like, I think that in shows like Survivor, I think there are, every season, a couple of people who genuinely can't win, like, don't even, like, don't possess any real life or Survivor life quality well they could sit against anybody in the end and they would not win i think mean, ingenious. genius it doesn't you can't but you can't have more than translate? like 3
0: of those in a single in a single season of survivor because if you named 3 people who could never win but those 3 became the final 3 then one of them's going to win
1: you think that but i also think there's a scenario where like the jury will walk out <laughs> I, I was know. i was on a season where that was discussed by the jury so really yeah, there was a big possibility that the final three was going to be Will, Rodney, and um, Dan. Mm-hmm. And given that final three, I already in my heart knew that I would walk out and not vote.
0: No, you weren't. You were really going to okay. do that?
1: Yeah, and the, the only reason why I was terrified of that final three was because I so badly wanted to return to the show and be on another season. And I mm. knew that I would never be invited back if I were to walk out of like a jury vote. But yeah. There's no way in my good conscience I so, can vote for one of those three people.
0: So you're like a like a Gary Johnson voter. Like through inaction, you're you're giving the worst of bad options a chance to to win, essentially. Right. That's the thinking of the the Gary Johnson or the Dr. Jill Stein voter. Like, well,
1: uh, I don't like that. Presumes that there is a worst option, right?
0: Is isn't there? I mean, in that group, isn't isn't Will Sims the worst option?
1: For me, yes. Maybe for you, yes. And you'd be a mensch if you felt that way. But there are people who would have voted for Will in that scenario. Who? I going to say. <laughs> a lot of I, there are a lot of people who would have voted for for Will in various scenarios, and in that scenario in particular, he would have gotten a couple of votes.
0: Was that a proposed final three? I mean, was it was that like Rodney's plan to get to the end with Will and Dan?
1: Rodney and Will, everybody wanted to go to the end with Rodney and Will. They were the ones who were going to choose who the third person was to sit with them. Originally, they wanted to sit with Carolyn. Mm -hmm. At one point, after she won her second immunity, they decided they should get rid of her and take Dan to the end. But then she played that idol. So then Mm -hmm. Dan went home instead. And then at that point, I think Carolyn was back in as their third.
0: Wow. Wow. You know, Carolyn at least had a legitimate claim to be the winner.
1: Um, yeah but she was also course, she treated yeah. everybody like shit right. she treated me like shit she treated the no collars like shit after she flipped on them like she genuinely did not deserve to win either like she treated people really badly you could make a highlight reel of how badly she like treated people and spoke of people and I think that that would you know I don't think it, I was going to say it would do her well to see it to watch it but it wouldn't because she wouldn't absorb it she thought she won the season after the final travel council was over and I think if you're that delusional, then, you know, even in the face of actual facts, like we were talking about with pathological liars, did even in the think, face of true facts.
0: Did she think that until the finale? Like, when was she disabused yes. of that notion? Really?
1: Yeah. No, she the, – the first time that she figured out that she might not be the winner was when she was called to be on the ballot for Second Chance. Mm-hmm. And then she so badly wanted to go back again for Second Chance that mm-hmm. that was the first time she was willing to entertain the idea that maybe she didn't win. But at the finale, uh, t- at like when we were all in the green room watching it, Tyler pulled her aside into the corner and let her know that he didn't vote for her and that he didn't think she won. And she started crying. And it was in front of everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was – I mean her emotional response and her emotional reaction to his chat with her um, gave it all away. That's when she really realized not only was she not going to win but she was also going to lose by a fair margin.
0: Wow, I'm I'm really surprised in this day and age that like that's not known pretty quickly by all the finalists. Like Will didn't think he had won, did he?
1: No. Um,
0: who knows what he? Th- who knows if he thinks?
1: That's yeah. That's <laughs> like that's really the. <laughs> Thank you for saying that and not making me. Yeah. Wh-
0: why do you suddenly not like saying mean things about him?
1: I just don't like talking about him.
0: Mm. Okay. That's, but he but he, he apologized when coerced to on national television, sort of, and then his wife yelled at, it. this right? She yelled you. I'm trying to remember. Yeah. He okay, kind of apologized she, and his wife started yelling at you?
1: He was groomed and coached to apologize to me at the reunion show. Which is the best to, movie
0: made all season.
1: Yeah. Like to save face, you know, for the season or whatever. So he was coached to do that. And even in the face of that, his wife, like, wasn't having it and was yelling at me from the audience, uh, continuing to dehumanize me. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah, yeah it was nice. Lovely. Um,
0: yeah, but anyway, going back to, to the, the winning, like, yeah, I am surprised that she really didn't know. And then she didn't get on the second chances either, and that's pretty brutal. Now, you guys, you, you were just taken away out of the world again at that point, right? Like, that was it?
1: Yeah, that was it. They actually – they lied to me. They told me that I would be able to see my um, friends and family who were in the audience there for my season 30 finale and say goodbye to them. Um, And I was like – I was wearing high heels. I was going to hand those off to my boyfriend and switch into like flip-flops so I wouldn't have to pack them, shit like that. And by the time I was on the bus and they started – they started filming us for a second chance like right away. Mm -hmm. And and at that point, like my family – ran over to the bus to try to say goodbye to me and hug me goodbye.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And the producer was like, no, fuck like, no, like filming has begun. Like, you're not going to get to talk to them. Fuck that. Sit down. And, like, and I was like, well, they lied to me and I should have just done it without asking. I don't know why I asked. I should have just done it, but like ran out of the bus and hugs them. It's not like they were at that point going to kick me off the season. Right. Uh, but I was a rule follower, like an idiot.
0: <laughs> so, so you get taken off and it's, what, like a week of press interviews? And, like, what, what happens during the time uh, of the finale and when you actually are marooned in Cambodia?
1: Oh, so you actually – we stayed in L.A. for, like, two more nights. And then we flew to Cambodia. And then we flew to Cambodia, but we flew to um, Angkor Wat and, like, filmed a bunch of scenes there And then we flew from Angkor Wat to Koh Rong and then did like four days of press there. All in all, from when the, um, from when my reunion was till, till when day one of Second Chance was, over a week and a half had passed. Um, which, you know, by comparison, my first season from when we, from when I flew out of San Francisco to day one of filming, It was under a week long. So it was almost twice as long for Second Chance to do all of like the – to not only travel but to do all the press and the filming and all that stuff.
0: And a lot of the press was in L.A., right?
1: Yep. A lot of the press was in L.A. Yeah, actually that makes me think like – I think we were in L.A. for actually three or four nights before we even flew out. And so you're just stuck in a
0: hotel room by yourself until they drag you out for interviews or what? like what are you doing during that time?
1: Yeah, no, precisely. We're in a hotel room. They remove the – phone like the landline phones from all of our rooms Mm -hmm. and they take our phones and everything away from us um and so you're just in this hotel room with a television Mm -hmm. um and you know if you're lucky you like brought like a bottle of wine or beer or whatever with you uh and like maybe some books but otherwise it's like you and the tv i like i flipped over the table so that i could like i forget what i was doing i was practicing balance on like I was treating the the office table in my hotel room like a balance beam because balance is like my big uh, kryptonite. Mm -hmm. And then I was like walking. I would just walk literally in in circles or in squares around the table, at the edge of the table to practice my balance. And I did that for days. That
0: would drive me nuts. Like that would be worse than, in my opinion, worse than being out on the island in the elements with nothing to do is being in the hotel room with nothing to do.
1: Yeah, no, by far the worst part of being on Survivor is all of the lockdown. It's the it's between scenes. It's when you're stuck in a tent or stuck in a van or stuck in a boat or stuck in a hotel room by yourself or even with other people but not allowed to talk. Those are by far the hardest moments.
0: Did the van have air conditioning?
1: Uh, in Nicaragua, yes. So for my first season, yes. Um, but for everything in Cambodia, no. Mm.
0: Alright. So, and then you get to Cambodia and you have six magical days.
1: Yeah. Six winning days.
0: <laughs> I was so excited after that first episode. It's like, wow, like, uh, the two, uh, Charlie Browns have, uh, found a way to kick the football. And then, no, uh-uh. Nope. Nope, that was short-lived. So, yeah. Yeah. Should you have voted out Abby Maria the first time? Would that have been a better move?
1: Yeah, but I wouldn't have known it at the time because the thing is, If I had voted out Abby Maria, I definitely would have been the second boot if my tribe lost. Um, Whereas voting out Vetus first, I actually had a shot of not being the second boot, and I just made it myself. Um, But here's the thing, and here's what I didn't know, is that Vetus is freakishly competent at visual puzzles. Mm -hmm. Like, apparently finishes you know, 5,000-piece puzzles in a matter of hours or, like, a day. That's, like, the thing he's known for at Ponderosa. Mm -hmm. Um, And the immunity challenge that I went home on was a visual puzzle, not to mention we lacked significant physical power relative to the other team. So we also started the puzzle, like, I want to say 10 minutes later than they did. Mm -hmm. Um, And even then, like, we caught up and we just, like, fucked up we like reversed aside unknowingly, um, but I think if Vetus had been in there, we wouldn't have even been ten minutes behind. We would, it would have been a lot closer, and on top of that, he would have been doing the puzzle and would have done, and would have been a lot faster than us. Um, and then I would have had an actual shot of surviving to the swap,
0: which was the next day after you got eliminated, right?: Correct.
1: Yep, correct.
0: Now, do you know who the other tribe would have voted out if you guys had won that second challenge? Who was on the outs of,
1: uh... Yeah, so the first boot for that tribe was going to be either Cass or Steven, is what I've heard. Hmm. It was down to those two.
0: Yeah. Well... Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm I'm one of the people who identifies uh, with Steven above many other survivors. Uh, yep. Uh... <laughs> which is which is kind of silly uh, to identify like that with any of the players on the show. Um, but
1: So you yeah. must love David from the current season.
0: No, I David is uh, no <laughs> David <laughs> David is like like the embodiment of my fears of what, what could happen, but uh, seeing him uh, seeing him go out there and be that bad in the first three days made me feel like uh you know, if I ever got on Survivor, at least I wouldn't be that bad. Like it gave yeah. me some confidence. So I guess that was good. No, um I'm I'm I just can't get behind that kind of like crazy, you know, self destructive play. And so yeah, I mean I hope I hope it gets better. Like there was certainly potential for him to be a good cast member. Maybe part of it's also that I'm I'm jealous that he has a really awesome job that I would love to
1: have. That's the or. crazy thing that I think is really fascinating about him because often you see a lot of people go out there and they're, you know, depicted as being terrible players for various different, you know, for various reasons. Um, but usually they are people who, if you're really paying attention, aren't successful in real life. And so in the case of somebody like David, where he was really so crazily bad out there, but has such a cool, awesome, successful job. Like, it put a lot of things into perspective. Now, granted, his job is probably, you know, it's not only cushy in terms of, like, it's indoors and air-conditioned and away from the, you know, elements, but, like, he can also probably do a lot of his writing in an isolated fashion without being exposed to people.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That said, like, the guy is successful and has a really awesome job and still behaves that way on Survivor, and that makes him a little bit more endearing to me because he's not just, like, some, you know, I mean... Again, like, like, I really related to Zeke because Zeke was making fun of the millennials who've never had a job. And I've played with Survivor. I've played Survivor with many, many people, millennials especially, who don't have jobs and who've never had jobs. And so that's, like, one of the biggest changes for me, like, watching the show since I've played it myself is, like, I'm looking at these people in terms of, like, what are they like in real life in addition to the show? Like, are they able to be successful in real life? Because I think that says a great deal about their character and who they are as a person.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, as we were talking about earlier, you know, reality TV takes people who are actual real people who do exist and, uh, you know, hamming it up for the camera or what have you. But it... it takes the moments that it wants that, you know, if, if you're really like a crazy person, they can take your craziest moments over those three days and distill them to a few minutes on the show and really create a, a caricature of who you are. So, yep. um, at the bottom of that, there, these are real people. They're just real loud people basically. Right. <laughs> so, all right. Well, thank you very much for, uh, being, uh, my guest today. Anything else you want to say about the genius, uh, season one or, or anything else that you'd like to tell the people? Tell them how to how to follow you on Twitter.
1: Uh, oh, I guess the twits is you know a thing, uh, but no, I didn't think the. I think the main takeaway for me from this episode was um, just this idea of like, you know, you're never out of it, right? Like Sangman and kyungran really pushed away Sungyu, but they were still ultimately able to win him back over and win and be in a good position. Jinho was in the bottom and went to the death match with uh Gura really seemed like he was going to be out and somehow turned it around and made it work for him. And I just think and I think that's probably part of why I love this episode so much is there's a lot of there's a roller coaster emotionally. Um there's a, you know there's a lot of gameplay, but at the end of the day, it's une- like the, the result is unexpected. There's no set person who's going to go home. Everyone can still have hope in their heart that they're going to make it through.
0: Right on. All right. So uh, what is your Twitter handle?
1: It's at the Shireen, the S H I R I N.
0: Right on. I am at Scott does magic. Uh, Michael is at Michael Botta. That's B O T T A. Um, I think that's everything. That's everything. Yes. I think so. Great. Uh, See you next time for Episode 7, Fighting!